Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. We are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It is called Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano. It's an insider's look at the NBA and the culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and the number one pick in the 2010 NBA draft, John Wall will give his unique perspective on the hottest topics in the league and tell the best behind-the-scenes stories from his time in the NBA. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. The Volume. Hoops Tonight is presented by FanDuel. The NBA is back and there's no better place to get in on the action than with FanDuel. This is my favorite sports betting app that is out there. It is safe and easy to use, easy to get your money in and out. I love that cash out feature. So if you're in good shape with one of your bets and you don't want to risk garbage time, you can get your money out quickly. Use promo code JasonT and download the FanDuel app today to make every moment more this NBA season. 21 plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Indiana, Louisiana, permitted parishes only, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, and Virginia. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. one 877 8 Hope NY or text Hope NY to 467-369 in New York. In Tennessee Redline, dial 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee. Visit www.1800gambler.net in West Virginia. All right, welcome to Hoops Tonight, presented by FanDuel here at The Volume. Happy Monday, everybody. I hope all of you guys had an incredible weekend. Going to keep it real simple today. We're going to break down four games from last night. Warriors-Kings, Sixers-Jazz, Cavs-Timberwolves, and Lakers 
Nets. And then just so you guys know the schedule the rest of the week, tomorrow night, live on AMP after Grizzlies Pelicans. It'll be on YouTube later in the night. Wednesday night, live on AMP after Celtics Hawks, and then live on YouTube after Warrior Suns. Thursday, we'll be doing our bi-weekly power rankings show that will also be live on AMP. That's our second edition of power rankings of the year. And then we'll have one last uh, video breakdown on YouTube sometime during the day on Friday. You guys know the drill. Before we get started, subscribe to the Volumes YouTube channel so you don't miss any more of our videos. Follow me on Twitter at underscore JasonLT so you guys don't miss any show announcements as well as any footage breakdowns that I do. And then last but not least, if for whatever reason you guys miss one of these videos and you can't get back over to YouTube to finish them, you can find them wherever you get your podcasts under hoops tonight. All right, let's talk some basketball. So Kings win 122-115. to 115. They started 0-4, but they're 6-2 and over the next eight games. A couple of quality wins in there against the Warriors and Cavs, although it's been a, a softer schedule in the other four wins. They are fourth in offense during that span, just outscoring teams, 22nd in defense during that span. This was a really interesting game because the Kings actually ended up taking a nine-point lead kind of midway through the fourth quarter against Golden State's bench. Big shock. We'll get to that in a little bit. Then Steph and Draymond check back in the game, and the Warriors immediately go on a run, and they take a 113-110 to lead off of a Draymond layup. And then from there, over the course of four possessions, the Kings took this game away from the Golden State Warriors. On the Draymond make, Darren Fox gets the inbound pass and just runs down the floor faster than everybody and finishes at the rim. Then over the next three possessions, they just spammed Spain pick and roll. Darren Fox up top, Sabonis comes and sets a screen, Herder's underneath the basket. As Fox and uh, and Sabonis are, are working downhill, Kevin Herter relocates to the top of the key. We've talked about that specific play a bunch over the course of the last few months on the show, so I'm not going to get into those details right now, but that's what they were running, and they got three baskets and three stops, and then the game was over. On the first one, they ended up get, getting on a switch, Sabonis on, uh, on Lamb underneath the basket. Draymond was guarding Fox on the right wing. Draymond just abandoned Fox to go help Sabonis or help on Sabonis, which he needed to do. The kickout pass came to Fox, and he knocked down a three, which, by the way, De'Aaron Fox is shooting 54% on catch-and-shoot threes this year. On the second play, Clay actually got over the screen and cut De'Aaron Fox off, and it actually turned into an ISO, but De'Aaron Fox just went to his patented little leaning back fadeaway pull-up two, and he knocked that down, which, by the way, De'Aaron Fox is shooting 49% on pull-up twos this year. So a couple of bread-and-butter plays there that uh, led to high-quality shots that they knocked down. And then on the third one, Darren Fox actually rejected the screen and went over to the right. Sabonis was at the top of the key, and Draymond was there, and Draymond just fell asleep. And Sabonis just cut right behind him and got an offensive rebound to put the ball back in the basket. So, you know, an unusual, uncharacteristic defensive mistake from Draymond Green that led to that third basket. Suddenly, you're down six, and the game is over. Um, and that's, you know, that's kind of like the 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 problem with what the Warriors are having with their bench is, you know, their starters can play really well, but they're starting from behind a lot of the times when they're coming back in late in these games, like Steph and Draymond checking this game down by nine. So even if you do go on a 15 to three run to take a lead, that should be a 15 to three run that puts the game away. And instead you're only up three and you have a four possession sequence where the Kings run some solid offense and you miss some shots. Lamb missed a wide open catch and shoot three on the left wing. Andrew Wiggins missed a wide open catch and shoot three on the right wing and the game is over. So 
We're going to get to the Warriors in a second, but that was just def- that's just another example of this problem that's been cropping up for them throughout this year. All right, I had three kings that I wanted to shout out before we move on to the Warriors. First, Darren Fox. So he's up to 26-5-6 on 64% true shooting for the season. I went over his jump shooting stats earlier, so I won't do that again. But you're seeing what happens when you're a real downhill threat combined with real jump shooting proficiency. When you can actually make a defender have to make a decision between containing the drive and taking away the jump shot, that's what makes you impossible to guard. And we're going to find out over the course of the season just how consistent that jumper is. Because if this is the way he shoots, then he's an all-star. And now we have to kind of change the way that we look at the Kings moving forward. Uh, Sabonis, just classic Sabonis game, just bullying everywhere for post position and rebounding position. Had a bunch of offensive rebounds in this game, critical ones too at the end of the game. He's so good at using pump fakes and body angles and his strength because he's one of the biggest and strongest players on the floor to find openings and score below the rim despite not being a great athlete. Then obviously he's always been a great passer, did a great job passing out of the post, out of the short roll. Even face-up situations, just grabbing and ripping through to his left and then kicking to shooters when guys step over to help. And then Keegan Murray, this was his second 20-point game as a pro. You guys know I wanted them to take Jaden Ivey. I just thought he had higher upside. But I, I understood the Keegan Murray pick. What he represents is the perfect type of dude that you love to have around your stars. A 6'8 wing that can guard up and down a position and that can shoot the basketball and do some stuff attacking closeouts. And he's already really good at those things. This, you know, if you're a young basketball player, especially one that wants to be a good shooter, he's a good guy to watch in terms of his footwork and the way that he establishes his base before the ball gets to him or before he rises up into a shot. So in spot-up situations, it's as simple as just already being crouched down in a shooting position, but in movement possessions, it's moving low and having a nice strong base so that when you catch, you can just go straight up instead of having to dip or do anything crazy to establish your base. There, There was one play in particular in this game um, that I want you guys to look up if you're if you're uh, a young basketball player who's trying to be a shooter. He started in the left corner, and he came off of basically a double-wide pin down and shot a catch-and-shoot three at the top of the key. And on the play, look at how low he's running. He's running so low to the ground that when he needs to turn that right foot around and elevate, his legs are already prepared to take on the strength it takes to establish a balanced base off of the move because he's moving low. Watch him in his spot-up situations, he's waiting low. Watch him in his movement movement situations, he's moving low. It's He's establishing his base before he gets the basketball, which just quickens his release, which buys you time to get shots off. And he made countless important shots in this game. All right, let's talk about some Warriors. So they were up 198 in this game when a bench lineup of Andrew Wiggins, Jordan Poole, Kevon Looney, and Dante DiVincenzo and Anthony Lamb gave up a 7-0 run. And then Steph checks back in the game, and they immediately go on a 15-3 run. And by the way, Steph was great in this game. They were doubling and trapping him all over the floor, just making the right plays. Draymond Green, by the way, continues to be so highly underrated with what he does offensively for the Warriors, making reads out of the short roll. And especially in games like this, when Steph is getting double teamed, that when you see it, uh, that's when you see it. Right when he checked in, there was a really nice, like kind of a cross screen action with Draymond out of the right, out of the left block that got him a three in the right corner. Then he had like a nasty isolation, uh, a step back three with his left hand on Davion Mitchell on the right wing. But you go on that fifteen to three run, you take a uh, a one thirteen to one ten lead, and then four possessions cost you the game, which we went over earlier. I'm not going to go over it again, but that's it. 
Four possessions. And that's the problem that the Warriors are having right now. Their bench is making it so that their starting unit has an incredibly tiny margin for error. A 15-3 to run, like the one that Steph and Draymond went when they checked in in the middle of the fourth quarter, that should put teams away. That should end games. And instead, it's leaving it, you know, lingering in a, in a range where you can have a sequence where one team executes really well for three or four possessions in a row, and you end up losing. They lost the non-Steph minutes by seven points in this game. They lost the game by seven points. That's it, it's It's, you know, I'm not going to talk too long about that tonight because I've done that so many times over the course of the last couple of weeks, but their bench continues to be a legitimate problem. You can't keep bringing in your starters with a deficit or losing the advantage that you gained during the earlier stretches of the game. You guys know where I stand? I would trade a couple of the young guys for a veteran wing to bolster the bench, but my guess is they're going to wait a lot longer before they decide to do anything like that. Uh, One last guy I want to talk about with the Warriors. Jordan Poole's having a pretty rough stretch of basketball. His last six games, 13 points, two rebounds, three assists, 35% from the field, uh, 21% from three, 23% on pull-up jumpers, 10 for 18 at the rim, 24 turnovers to just 20 assists, and he continues to be really bad on the defensive end of the floor. I misquoted one stat there. He's 31% from three, but really not shooting well not taking care of the basketball, not creating shots for his teammates and struggling on the defensive end of the floor. And I thought he really struggled during that 7-0 run that I referenced earlier, uh, the one where um, Sacramento ended up taking a nine-point lead in the fourth quarter. He took a bad, quick pull-up three in transition that wasn't a great look and kind of felt like a bad momentum shot that continued to further the run for Sacramento. And then the end of the run, he took a bad contested three out of the deep corner in the left and like he held onto the ball for a long time instead of trying to get something else going. He stood there in the corner for a while and ended up just jacking up a shot. And the problem with corner threes is they typically lead to long rebounds. And when they go long, they're always funneling back towards the other way, right? Because of the backboard. And when you take a corner three, you're a defensive player that is as far as you could possibly be away from your own basket. And it always leads to transition opportunities Jordan Poole missed a three out of the left corner. De'Aaron Fox ran out and got a layup. Now you're down nine. Um, Jordan Poole is not going to be traded, obviously. So he just needs to get back on track offensively to help that bench unit. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. We are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It is called Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano. It is an insider's look at the NBA and the culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and number one pick in the 2010 NBA Draft, John Wall will give his unique perspective on the hottest topics in the league and tell the best behind-the-scenes stories from his time in the NBA. CJ will bring his A-list comedian buddies to keep it light and fire off some hoops takes. Plus, John will be inviting current and former NBA players, friends, and teammates to join the show as well to give their unfiltered accounts of what really goes on in the league from a player's perspective. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. 
Does the craziness of everyday life leave you feeling stressed and shedding? Since having kids, have you started to see a little more of your scalp? Are you unhappy with your hairline? When it comes to thinning hair, there are many root causes at play, and Nutrafol addresses them through a multi-targeted, whole-body approach. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist-recommended hair growth supplement, with over 1 million people seeing thicker, stronger, and faster-growing hair with less shedding. Physician-formulated with drug-free ingredients, Nutrafol supports healthy hair growth from within by targeting key root causes of thinning, stress, hormones, environment, nutrition, lifestyle, and metabolism through whole-body health. Take their hair wellness quiz at Nutrafol.com for a personalized hair health plan based on your specific root causes. With Nutrafol, building a hair growth routine is simple. Purchase online, no prescription, or doctor's visits required. Free shipping and automated deliveries ensure you'll never miss a day and you'll see results in three to six months. Take the first step to visibly thicker and healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month subscription. And free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and enter the promo code Hoops, that's H-O-O-P-S. Find out why over 4,500 healthcare professionals and stylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com, promo code Hoops, H-O-O-P-S. That's Nutrafol.com, promo code Hoops. All right, Sixers Jazz. So uh, the Sixers win 105-98. Joel Embiid, 59 points. <laughs> 11 rebounds, 8 assists, 7 blocks, and he was plus 27, excuse me, plus 25 in a 7-point win. His perimeter shot was really going in last night. It's really been going in all season. Utah tried everything. Olenek had no chance. He worked Kessler Edwards with like the Rondo fake uh, in the first half. He abused Rudy Gay a little bit in the second half. Laurie Markkinen, he scored against him. He was hitting shots over Jared Vanderbilt. There's just nothing they could do with him. Um, most of his blocks, the seven blocks that he got were during a stretch of the game when he was guarding Jared Vanderbilt and he just completely ignored him, hung around the basket, which again, when, when you have a big guy who's able to hang out around the basket, cause he's guarding a non-shooting threat that makes it. So all your perimeter defenders are able to push up more on jump shooters because they have leeway knowing that Joel Embiid is behind them. And as a result, they locked in, they got enough stops and they got to win. You guys know my take on Joel Embiid. He's not my favorite player, but for him, Everything is about his perimeter shot. When teams pack the paint on you, whether that's through double teaming or just just zoning up or whatever it is they do to make it so that you're playing in too much congestion around the paint, you have to be able to do one of two things. You have to be able to pass the basketball well to make teams pay for doing that, or you have to be a great jump shooter. You have to be willing and able to knock down shots over that paint congestion. You know, for Giannis, because the jump shot is just so far away, it's about the passing, and he's also a very good passer. Giannis, like, Joel Embiid is a bad passer, and we're going to get to that in a minute. Giannis is a very good passer already. So for him, I'm less worried about the jump shot because his passing ability combined with his ability to force teams to pack the paint turn him into an offensive engine. For Joel Embiid, not a great passer. He had eight assists last night, but he had five turnovers. For the season, he has more turnovers than he had assists. So with Joel Embiid, I'm always looking – at the way he's shooting the basketball further away from the basket because that's the kind of stuff he's going to have to do to be effective when teams really pack the paint on him. Uh, This season, he's shooting 45.5% outside of the restricted area. Now, we've talked about this a lot over the show, uh, over the course of the last year on the show, you guys remember. In his playoff career, you can basically book him to miss two-thirds of his shots outside of the restricted area. That's just what he does every year in the playoffs. 
He makes a lot of perimeter shots during the regular season, and I don't know if it's the fatigue and just how much more demanding the playoffs are on him physically or if it's the pressure or what the deal is. He can't make shots outside of the restricted area in the postseason. He also doesn't get to the foul line as much, and he doesn't pass well enough when teams pack the paint. So his impact, Joel Embiid's one of those guys whose impact just kind of craters when he gets into the postseason. So a big thing to watch for him over the course of this next phase of his career is how well this perimeter shooting translates to the playoffs. And if he can get that, if he can have a long playoff run where he shoots this well, it'll lead to team success. And then he'll start entering into those conversations uh, of those who are considered the best players in the world, which right now I don't think he is. I think Joel Embiid, Joel Embiid is clearly outside of that conversation, but 45 and a half outside the restricted area this year. If he can maintain that through the season, through the playoffs, through a deep playoff run, now we're talking about a guy who's every bit as good as a Nikola Jokic, who's every bit as good as a Giannis or a Steph or any one of those kinds of guys. Um, ladies and gentlemen, the Utah Jazz are finally starting to miss some shots. A lot of people have been asking me, you know, like how are, are the Jazz playing so well to start the season? And I don't really think it's that complicated they don't have a star right although Laurie Markkinen's been playing like a star but they have a ton of ball handling and shooting and they like to share the basketball so it's like a classic concept of you know they're running a ton of high pick and roll but their screeners are guys that can shoot so they're picking and popping which renders most drop coverage is useless right so they're playing teams out of drop coverage or they're shooting teams out of drop coverage and they have such a high uh uh you know they have so many shooters, ball handlers, and guys who are willing to make the extra pass that they're just generating a ton of jump shots. They're knocking them things down and they're top five in the league in assists because they're sharing the basketball. But like that shot making guys just rising up and knocking down shots has been a huge part of their offensive success to start the season. Before this two game losing streak, they had an effective field goal percentage of 49% on pull up jump shots, which was seventh in the league. Their last two games, 29% on pull-up jumpers, including 19% on pull-up threes. Now they're 0-2. So as you can see, guys just rising up and knocking down shots for the Jazz has been a huge part of their success. They've all, they're also third in the league in catch-and-shoot makes per game. So they just, they just <laughs> part of my language, they just shoot the shit out of the basketball, man. And that's really all it takes um, you know, in the modern NBA when you've got enough guys that can do that and can put the ball on the, basketball, uh, put the ball on the floor. It renders so many of these coverages useless. Uh, but maybe this is them cooling off a little bit and maybe they'll consider to start uh, trading some of their pieces soon. I don't think they want to disqualify themselves from the Victor Wembanyama sweepstakes. All right, Wolves-Cavs. So the Wolves win 129-124. The Cavs were really shorthanded. They had no Donovan Mitchell um, and no Jared Allen in this game, which is arguably their two best players. This was a classic D'Angelo Russell and Carl Towns game. Uh, D'Lo was just working and pick and roll all night long. In the first half, he was seeing a steady diet of Darius Garland and Raul Neto. And those two guys are just way too slow. So even when they fight over the screen and get a late contest, D'Lo's just not even seeing those guys because they're too small. Then in the second half, they switched Darius Garland onto Jaden McDaniels and they started giving him a steady diet of like Karis LeVert and Isaac Okoro. But at that point, he was already feeling himself. He already had his confidence in his rhythm and he just kept hitting those tough shots. Um, and then obviously D'Lo's always been a really good passer at high pick and roll, especially uh, when he's shooting the ball as well as he is, and it dictates more attention. And then Carl Towns, the, the usual stuff, hitting pick and pop threes, jab step threes in like ISO situations. He beat Evan Mobley to the rim off of a pump fake and rip through late in the game. Did the same thing to Robin Lopez out of the right corner. He's one of the best 
face-up players in the league. But this game, the Cavs damn near won it anyway on the strength of a career-high 51 from Darius Garland. Got crazy hot from three in the fourth quarter. Was making some really tough shots. Classic, I go out of my way last week to talk about how I'm concerned about Darius Garland's shot-making because he's a little bit small. And then, of course, he just goes out and makes every single damn shot uh, to drop 51 uh, against the Timberwolves. Um, I know I've talked a lot about Darius's defensive shortcomings, and they're real. Like, he could not guard D'Angelo Russell in this game. And then they switched him onto Jaden McDaniels, and even Jaden McDaniels was scoring over the top of him when he would like cut to the basket or post ups and things along those lines. But make no mistake, he's that classic combination of great pull up shooting with a good mid range game and the floater and stuff like that that make him a really dynamic pick and roll shot creator, especially with as well as he passes the basketball. If the Cavs do decide to make a move on from him to capitalize on the rest of the talent on this roster, it won't be an easy decision to make because of how gifted he is offensively. And no matter what, they should absolutely wait till the deadline because you want to give this group as much time as possible to try to figure out a way to either hide Darius through some scheming thing like pre-switching or putting him on defenders that um, like putting him on offensive players like Jaden McDaniels, but maybe, I don't know, teaching him to front the post and having him work a little bit harder. Just try to find a way to make him functional defensively so maybe you don't have to make that trade. But here we are, and you're sitting at, you know, 8-5, and five, and you're 2-5 and five in games that Darius Garland has played. So that's definitely something to keep an eye on as the season progresses. All right, Lakers-Nets. Big win for the Lakers over a Nets team that had won four out of five games. KD made two free throws to get it down to 91-87 in the fourth quarter. And then Austin Reeves, Lonnie Walker, and Anthony Davis just took this game over. Very next possession, Austin Reeves kind of gets the ball late clock on the left wing and has to rescue a possession and makes a really nice two-dribble pull-up going towards the left elbow. Did a really nice job of taking a really long step before that last pull-up to get the defender to back off a little bit, rose up, left it a little short but got the bounce on the rim. Then on the next possession, he runs high pick and roll with Anthony Davis. This was just, I, I, I tweeted a, a video out of this particular play. Again, you can find it on my Twitter feed at underscore Jason LT. But he gets downhill and draws help. Now, I, I said in the video that he made the fourth read in the pick and roll because the reads in order are if you're coming downhill and you have a layup, you take the layup. If the big man steps up, you have the drop pass to Anthony Davis. If for some reason, the drop pass isn't open. It's usually the weak side corner. But on this play, Patty Mills dropped out of the weak side wing to the weak side corner. So the fourth read was the weak side wing. And literally, Austin gets downhill, palms the ball with one hand and elevates, then switches the ball to his left hand and hooks, throws like a hook pass around the help defender that hits Lonnie Walker wide open on the right wing for a three. Really, really impressive piece of high-level playmaking from Austin Reeves out of pick and roll. Then these were the next four possessions. Lonnie Walker started spamming the pick and roll with Anthony Davis. He gets downhill, misses a layup, Anthony Davis tip slam. Lonnie Walker gets downhill and does a pullback dribble, gets a ton of separation, knocks down a 15-foot jump shot. Then he gets downhill and actually makes the layup. And then he missed another one of those pullback jumpers, but Anthony Davis had Royce O'Neal on him and just went right up and uh, uh, dunked it in on the tip. So, like, four-point game, KD makes a couple free throws, we're heading towards another Lakers collapse, and then Austin Reeves, Lonnie Walker, and Anthony Davis just took this damn game over. And then on the other end of the floor, 
one of the again the Laker defense I said is real and I believe that truly it was real you could see it on tape they were stopping good offenses then they started 0-5 and those dudes quit and I don't blame them they weren't winning you want to be rewarded for your action and over the course of the last two weeks their defense was awful but last night looked like that Lakers defense that we saw earlier in the season. Anthony Davis had a couple of key stops on Kevin Durant, including a possession where he just straight up denied him the basketball full court on a on a critical defensive stop. And then KD also missed a couple of short floating jump shots that he usually makes. And then the game was over. Uh, Anthony Davis. So, first time scoring 30 points in a game since February 3rd, which was last season. First time scoring 37 in a game since May 9th. Of 2021. That's how uncommon that dominant performance from Anthony Davis was. Absolutely dominant on the offensive glass. He had 10 offensive rebounds. Some of it was bullying, you know, Nick Claxton, Kevin Durant, a little bit of Markeith Morris. But also in the pick and roll switches, just destroying the Nets guards when they wouldn't do their job of boxing out Anthony Davis when there'd be a pick and roll switch. He had a couple of nice post moves in the first half, and then he had a couple of really nice isolation pull-up jump shots over Kevin Durant in the second half. Just a vintage, dominant Anthony Davis performance. This is why I hold Anthony Davis to such a high standard. He puts up really good numbers on his bad nights, a lot like LeBron. I constantly, when I criticize Anthony Davis or LeBron, I'll have people go like, you know, LeBron had 25, 10, and 8 in this game. How dare you say that he played terrible? And I'm like, LeBron will put up 25, 10, and 8 in his sleep. Anthony Davis will put up 24 and 13 in his sleep. Okay? So you've got to pay attention to the difference between when they're really impacting the game, the way that you know they're capable of, and when they're sleepwalking. And both of those guys, especially Anthony Davis over the years, has a tendency to sleepwalk. LeBron, those performances are few and far between, but I call them out when they happen as well. Is he is he Giannis? No, he's not going to... He's not going to be the best player in the world. I think that ship has sailed. He's just not fast enough right now, and he's not physical enough. But there's no reason in the world why he can't average 30 and 12. That's his basement when he's fully engaged. There's no reason he shouldn't be a defensive player of the year candidate every single year. He is in the the heart of the prime of his career. This is not... 38-year-old LeBron who you can understand why he takes a few defensive possessions off. This is heart of your prime Anthony Davis, one of the most physically gifted players in the league. There's no reason in the world he should ever average less than 30-12 and 12 or be a top three defensive player of the year vote-getter every single season. You know, I wanted to talk about the LeBron-AD pairing for just a minute because any hope that the Lakers have of contending in this era depends on those two guys. We talk about a lot of the stuff on the periphery, but those two guys are also not good enough, have not been good enough over the course of the last two seasons. The front office has made it perfectly clear that they don't believe in those two anymore. That's why they didn't make a trade. If they believed in LeBron James and Anthony Davis, Russ would be wearing a different jersey right now. Buddy Heald and Miles Turner would be flanking LeBron James and Anthony Davis. They are not. The front office doesn't believe. If LeBron comes back next Friday, the Lakers have four full days off now. If LeBron comes back next Friday and he plays the way he did against the Clippers right before he got hurt, and if Anthony Davis continues to play at this level, the rest of the team will defend their ass off and they'll make enough plays offensively for them to go on a winning streak. And they're up on uh, up into a weaker part of their schedule. Their next six games are the Pistons, the Spurs, the Suns, the Spurs, the Spurs, the Pacers. 
Five five and one is absolutely doable with LeBron James and Anthony Davis on the roster. And six and oh is possible if you can win a game against the Suns. If you go five and one, now you're eight and eleven. Now Rob Polinka and Jeannie Buss will consider pulling the trigger on that deal. And then you can go on a run with Buddy Heald and Miles Turner against your tougher opponents. There was this story from Chris Haynes um, for Yahoo Sports Law last week, or maybe the week before, uh, where there was like some pretty significant like hints that LeBron James and Anthony Davis want a trade to be made. They were publicly advocating for it through leaks to Chris Haynes. But Rob and Jeannie clearly will not do so until they believe in that pairing. Now, I think that's horseshit. They should have invested in them before the season started. They set them up to fail by sending them out there against that impossible schedule without enough help on the wing. Rob and Jeannie, it's a, it's an, it was a completely unacceptable approach from them. But that's their approach. So you need to prove to them, LeBron and AD, that you're worth the investment. And if you do, I believe they will invest. In this next six-game stretch, starting on Friday, we're going to find out a ton about what LeBron James and Anthony Davis are capable of. And then on the Brooklyn Nets front, that was a front that was their sixth game in 10 days. Five of those games were on the road, and this was a back-to-back. They got really sloppy defensively in the fourth quarter. So I'm going to kind of give them a pass here for fatigue. Uh, for fatigue. I really like what they're building in terms of their identity. They just need to they need to find a way to integrate Kyrie, but like a focused version of Kyrie because they simply need the talent and they can't flip him for anything. They don't have any real means with which to improve the roster. So this is going to be KD's biggest leadership challenge. He needs to get uh, Kyrie back in that locker room and then as his friend and as the leader of the basketball team, beg him to stay on task in, until the end of June or whenever it is their season ends. Then be like, dude, whatever else you want to do at that point, go nuts. But just for me, man, my friend, please give me this next few months. Let's make a run at this thing. We're good enough. There's a lot of talent on that Nets roster, but not enough if Kyrie's not there and not if he's fully engaged, not unless he's fully engaged. Whatever it was to start the season, all the bad energy and aura surrounding the team, that can't happen anymore. You need him to be fully engaged in this version of the Nets. All right. That is all I have for today, guys. Uh, Like I said, tomorrow night, live on AMP after Grizzlies Pelicans. Wednesday night, live on AMP after Celtics Hawks. Then live on YouTube after Warriors Suns, also on Wednesday. Thursday, live on AMP for our power rankings. And then Friday, one more film breakdown. And then we're out of there for the week. As always, I sincerely appreciate your guys' support. And I will see you tomorrow. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, 
That grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take more control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. Give your glucose alerts and readings from the G7. Do not match symptoms or expectations. Use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility.